We'd almost made it back to the office, almost back to the musty smell of folders and old coffee. All we wanted was some peace and quiet. We needed some time to regroup before the Lord of Order arrived. But the lasso was tied around us both in an instant. We didn't have time to feel it before she yanked us to the ground. Standing over us, the Amazon princess demanded a turn. Hi, I'm John. And I'm your weekly reminder that too many people are named Matthew in this world. (laughs) And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. did that all in one breath. I really shouldn't have done that. That was pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. You just kind of rambled off. I'm getting good at that, and that's kind of scary. It only (laughs) took us 22 episodes for us to get into that zone, but we're getting there. Um, Joanne's here with us. I don't think we'll need her, though, because... um, Day of days and woe of woes, Dr. Fate still hasn't arrived, but when he does, oh boy, oh boy, it will be a fate-filled day. That's I, it. That's all you're getting for me today. I could from push one. you out of your chair right now. You really could I couldn't. could try. <laughs> I'm too fat I <laughs> for that. They're rickety chairs. That's true. They are, actually. They're rickety chairs, Brent. Even even with these, even with my low center of gravity, I think you could probably <laughs> break the chair before you push me out. And that I would give you that. I would concede that point that that was still getting me out of the chair. I'm prepared to believe that it would break upon hitting the ground, not while I'm attempting to shove you over. I was I was in a friend's house one time, and I leaned back in one of her family's apparently antique chairs, and I heard. Oh no! I, oh, didn't break, but I heard the creak of ages underneath me, and I was like, mm, nope. And I like leaned forward, and my friend and her fr- Shannon's friend, my friend, um, looked at me, and she was like, "Don't do that." Like, just very solemnly, very solemnly shaking her head going, don't do that. You got matter-of-facted. Yeah, but I'm like, why did anyone allow me to sit in this? Why is this even a chair that is, like, given to people to sit in? If it is this dangerous, like, put, like, a velvet rope around it and a plaque or something, but don't actually offer this as as a real seat for people. Because the last thing you want is some stupid drunk person like me at a party to sit in it and break it. Like, I think about it, We, my family has some nice, like, not yeah. antique, but like, hey, my old, grandpa made old this chairs. thing, and it's nice, and we want to keep it yeah. in the family. It's like, nothing here is destroyable. Like, the chair is sturdy. The table, like, the worst thing that could happen is someone scratches the marble. The grandfather clock is probably not going to fall over. It just stops working every once in a while. But yeah, it's, um, moral of the story, your antique furniture... Don't let people mess around with it, but if it's solid, don't hit people with it either, because that will literally kill them. That will literally did, kill them. Just, I mean, yeah, but... There are things to do. Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, yeah, bottom <laughs> bottom line, bottom line, we're doing Wonder Woman today. Uh, we weren't able to get Shannon to come with us, but she sends all of her love, and she wishes she could be with all of you detectives. And uh, detectivites, she, detectivites, gumshoes, whatever we decided Ooh, to call it. Yeah, you. gumshoes. Um, she was actually reading this with me or alongside me while I was doing the research, and she was shaking her head. So no. Oh, that, thank God it wasn't just us. No, no. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it ha- that our uh, our statements today are going to have the Shannon seal of approval. Yeah, be aware that we had a woman present while looking at some of these and making her notes, and she was very disappointed, much like we were. Some of my best friends are women, <laughs> quote unquote. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, much like an anime character calls out their moves, we are going to move straight into the actual summary. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> uh, 
Joanne, how you doing over there? You're just, you're not paying attention to anything we say. I really have to, like, get her on a... We gotta, like, fake her out one time so that she, like, doesn't realize we've started and she hasn't started the clock. And she just... And I can catch her in it just to gloat. Your attempts at psyching out the externalization of your internal thought processes really entertains me. You are head faking your brain. Do you not do that sometimes? No, I do that all the time. Yeah, like yeah. people do it all the time and it's like, I'm not tired, I'm just exhausted. What does that mean? My muscles are tired, not my brain and my body. And you're like, what does that even mean? And then suddenly <laughs> you have energy and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, brain power. Yeah, all right, Joanne, works. let's do it. We already wasted too much time. Wonder Woman, number two, the fall 1942 magazine. Uh, again, Wonder Woman is, at this point, if we if we don't remember catching you back up, Wonder Woman's main nemesis is the Baroness von Gunther. Uh, she has gone to Mexico and a very myriad of other places in the United States, even though Mexico isn't in the United States, it's outside. But she's traveled around, stopped Nazis. Her main squeeze is Steve Trevor, who doesn't know that she's Diana Prince, who is a nurse as well as military secretary. Diana is, by the way, a second lieutenant in the military. Um, and she's Colonel Darnell's secretary, who is the superior officer to Steve Trevor. Boom. Oh, also her best friend is Etta Candy, who is part of the Beta Lambda sorority. Not Beta Lambda. Beta Lambda at Holiday College. Uh, Wonder Woman number two, fall 1942. We have Wonder Woman traveling to Mars to fight the god Mars. Mars is the name of the Roman god of war because the Greek god of war is Ares. Skipping over that because that just hurts my brain. Mars has three minions, the Duke of Deception, the Earl of Greed, and the Count of Conquest, because Marsden is creative. <laughs> um, essentially, Mars decides to try and eliminate Wonder Woman because she is mucking up his plans with the Third Reich and the access to create a large war that will consume the planet. Mars just wants fighting, like Ares and Mars are usually portrayed wanting. And he employs the Duke of Deception, the Earl of Greed, and the Count of Conquest to try and destroy Wonder Woman. Guess what? None of them do that. Hitler, Mussolini, and Hirohito make a nice appearance in this magazine of just being tools for the three. Yeah. This, this menagerie of royalty that Mars has surrounded himself with. They're just basically uh, royal personifications of just bad qualities of people. And they take possession of both, Hit of actually, of Hitler, Hirohito, and Mussolini, and then, like, use them to command things, and then use the things that have been commanded, like, people, to be also possessed by these three, you know, the Earl, the Count, and the Duke, use these bodies to try and get rid of Wonder Woman. Never works. Never works. Waste of time. Dumb plan, as a matter of fact. And also, they travel to Mars via astral projection. It's weird. It's weird. There's a whole lot of... God, there's just a whole lot happening here that just makes you want to go... Is, did Gardner Fox write this? It, yes. And yes. We're going to see this again and again in this episode. Strangely there's enough, There's weird yeah. shit. I guess this is like peak weird shit for this episode though no like convict ships no they literally sail on the uh mss upvote no. 
Oh man! If you look at the ship, this is the convict ship. Oh no! I'm not saying this isn't weird. Space. It has up arrows on it. I'm. I am not. Ah. I'm not disagreeing that this is really weird. But peak weird gets to be the Diana's Day festival for me. See, now that's a different kind of weird. That I'm. I, that's not uh, Bill Finger, Gardner Fox weird for me. That's. I have a phrase that I'm going to say, and hopefully people laugh at it. But yeah, that's a different kind of weird. And I think that's more weird to me than this because we've had stories like this before. I'm used to this. This is just dumb. Mm -hmm. That is weird. So we're going to get to that. That'll be our last story. But bottom line, Wonder Woman foils Mars and his plan to get the war going just even more worse. And foils the Count of Conquest, the Duke of Deception, the Earl of Greed... Steve and Etta are in this. It's really not that big of a deal. It's just a weird story. Also, um, Wonder Woman plays baseball. And again, I have to ask, is there literally no official who won't just stop like a legitimately real league game and go, um, no, the superhero can't play because there are rules. And this is not Airbud, and we are not doing this. And who do you think I am, Gardner Fox? Or the ref for the Manly Cup? No, sir. No, sir. Wonder Woman cannot play instead of the rest of your team. Like, uh, I would actually be really interested to know, like, the staffing and uh, list of players' rules that existed in various professional sports at this time. Because I know yeah. the leagues hadn't really been codified like they are now, but how long in advance did you need to sign someone before you could feel them? Uh, more than several hours or at least 30 minutes into the game, I imagine. Yeah, I assume you have to have like the, like, the list locked in at the start of the game. Because the, the game's going on mm-hmm. while like something happens and then the, the manager's like, yeah, if you go in and you win, then like, I'll do whatever you say. And I'm like, that's just not how that works. <laughs> Bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, bring in the kid. It's just like pulling out like, yeah, uh-huh. Stallone's in the audience, we get Stallone <laughs> to play. Like, no, you can't do that. You just can't. So, we're just... And I say we, I mean me. I'm just, ugh, at the level of decorum that is being displayed for fictional sports. But what are you going to do? Sensation Comics, number 10, October 1942. Wonder Woman stops a Japanese sabotage plot of the railways in, I want to say, Washington, D.C. Um, that it's like kind of the subways. And uh, Steve is reverse honeypotting a spy. I, I mean, think it still counts as a honeypot. Um, well, she's the honeypot, and he's tricking her. I don't think it counts as honeypotting if he's... Because she's not interested in him. Oh, the, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're the, right. Yeah, the whole point of a honeypot is it's to a, seduce. It's a double-cross honeypot. Right, so he's, yeah. he's reversing right. it on her. I'll, I'll give um, that, yeah. And uh, basically, the Japanese spy agents send a woman to woo Steve Trevor and get some codes from him. And uh, he's playing her, and Diana sees this, gets, you know, suspicious, and tails them and finds out that it's a whole plot that he's involved in and he can't tell her about. And she, you know, busts up the the spy ring. Hooray. Um, Weird thing to note, Steve totally sleeps with this chick. So, I'm not entirely sure I agree. So the line is literally, make love to. Correct? Yeah. So... I'm actually curious. I don't know how that phrase was used at that point in time. It would not surprise me if that's a term for courting instead of fucking. I'm I'm like 100% sure that he like slept with her. There's no way to misconstrue I made love to this person. Like, and he even says that, like, I'm sorry, like, you know I had to do this for my country, like, she had to be okay with mm-hmm. it. Not that she has any say in the matter at all, because as he's a secret agent, she's 
a secretary for his superior. Not literally, not that she can say anything about it. <laughs> and Wonder Woman can't do anything either because they're not an item. But why would he tell her? Why is that her business? Does he feel guilty? If he does, yeah. that's like I guess. Oh, okay. he's, he's classic. He's classic good guy. He feels guilty for things, but whether like, he needs to or not. That's like the weirdest thing to me is that he's. It's like Austin Powers being like, you know, I had to shag her, baby, and you're like, why did you have to tell Kensington that? Like, that's not important. You're making a reference. Oh, that's right. You haven't seen Austin Powers. We did this last episode. <laughs> um, not that Steve has ever done anything like this in the past, but also at the same time, I'm pretty sure he totally did that. To I, sell it. I don't disagree. I don't think we can take it as written. But now I'm actually curious, like, what oh, the what the uh, prevalence was of... What the uh, parlance of the time would be well, for that, the term that making well, love. That as well. But I'm actually genuinely curious in that, and I am not going to ask any grandparents what they... You don't do want to have that conversation no. with an old person? No. <laughs> Here's how you do that. You don't ask a grandparent. You just go to an old folks home and be like, Yay, um, when you were a kid, uh, was this code for necking it? Or was this code for, like, getting down to business? Do you know what the term necking means? Yeah, I do, Okay, actually. I'm just like, there you go. It's actually kind of impressive. But, like, that's... You could do it that way if you yeah. don't want to ask a family member. No. But I'm I'm like a hundred percent certain that's exactly how it sounds. We'll we'll look it up at some point when we decide we care enough to. I might right after this. <laughs> it's it. pissing it. me off. Um, <laughs> so yeah, bottom line: Steve may or may not have slept with this woman, and then tells Wonder Woman that he did it because I guess he feels bad, even though Wonder Woman has not made any sort of notion that she's interested in Steve. Other but he than, has expressed that he's interested in her. Right, but like at a certain point where some chick's not expressing interest in you, it's kind of like, I can do what I want, because like, I'm not getting any reciprocation from this. Mm, that assumes that he's made the decision that he isn't getting any reciprocation, and he's not prepared to keep being that fully invested. Like, if nothing else, that's, this seems like a bit of uh, identity discordance. Yeah. Uh, Sensation Comics, number 11, November 1942. <laughs> Wonder Woman, Steve, Etta, uh, and Queen Desira... Traveled Eros via astral projection, because that's never going to get tiring. And uh, they stop a rebellion led by Rebla, who wants to be in jail on Eros because jail is fun. Um, I can't make that sound any better than it already sounds. They go to a planet where people like being in prison, because prison is, at that point, basically just school. So why do you call it prison? Why don't you just call it school? Weird planet Eros. What concept is your prison? What is the place where you incarcerate individuals who have screwed up? And why is it so different? I have a spiel, but the short version is I throw this issue into the confused mess category. Yeah. Um, uh, however, I do like that there's a JSA reference. Yeah. Um, which makes me really eager to read some JSA because I want to see how Queen Desire mm-hmm. fares with the rest of that weird crew. <laughs> Sensation Comics, number 12, December 1942. The Baroness tries to kill Wonder Woman while on a movie set about Wonder Woman. The Baroness uh, gets captured again in her underwater submerged island that she has off the coast of, I guess, California? Uh, Oh, P.S. The Baroness is alive again because for those of you who aren't aware, if you've listened to our last Wonder Woman episodes, Baroness gets killed in the last episode. Um, she gets uh, reanimated from her weird electric machine that she has built for her, and so she's alive again. So, congrats, Baroness, you're back. 
Comics Cavalcade, number one, winter 1942. Wonder Woman stops a plot to destroy the Salem shipyards and goes to the Seven Gabled House in Massachusetts. Literally the only note that I have for this issue is that tackling someone holding a live grenade is a bad idea. Most most definitely. Do you know what Seven Gabled House is? I'm really, I was hoping that was something you researched. I didn't actually. It was uh, that, did, that just did not jump out at you as I, I anything worthwhile? Honestly, I looked at it and it's like, I could probably say whether this exists, but the most pertinent thing I could say is, is this actually in Boston or is it like further out? Well, there you go, gumshoes. You got some homework. Find out what the Seven Gabled House is and tell us before the tone, you know, and uh, you might get a decoder ring. I forget, was that? uh, You won't get a decoder ring. No. (laughs) Was that the same author who did uh, The Scarlet Letter? Yes, it's Hawthorne. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, figure it out. If you can, and really uh, familiar. I feel uh, like I've maybe read something about it, but I haven't read what it was. Yeah. It mm. didn't 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 uh, strike a chord with me either. Mm. Uh, just to be clear, again, I'm not going to send you a decoder ring, but I will give you a virtual hug if you tell us what the deal is with the Seven Gabled House. Will hmm? you do it like a slash hug or uh, open uh, angle brackets? No, I'll like Instagram a picture of a hug to you. Me hugging, oh. hugging the air, and putting like a big sign that says "You" in, where my arms are. <laughs> Just like st- do it against the green screen so yeah. they can photoshop in- themselves individually. In. Or I'll write your your you know your name or your Twitter handle and hug that, and that'll be your hug because I'm a hugger. Sensation Comics number thirteen, January nineteen forty three. Happy New Year. Slaves of the Baroness attempt to kill Wonder Woman by faking Wonder Woman's death and confusing the hell out of basically everybody. Wonder Woman almost reveals her secret identity to Steve Trevor. Now, here's a fun thing. Um, Wonder Woman goes like, I know Wonder Woman isn't dead because I'm Wonder Woman to Steve. And Steve's like, don't joke about shit, you crazy bitch. Because <laughs> he's super distraught. And yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's essentially that's essentially the, the, the less polite version of what Steve said to her. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like the really... The same amount of dismissiveness, too. Right. All of that. Yeah. Uh, and um, <laughs> so he gets all in a huff. And Diana's like, I'll prove it to you. Come to my house tonight and I'll prove it to you. And he's like, I fucking guess. And like, goes to her apartment. And she's like, hold on, let me get my Wonder Woman outfit. Goes into her room. The Wonder Woman outfit has been stolen. That's why the bit, That's why they think the dead person is Wonder Woman. Because she was wearing the Wonder Woman uniform. And Wonder Woman's like, um, my outfit's gone. And Steve's like, uh, oh yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm going, lift some shit. Just lift, I lift, know, I lift know, him, I know. lift him on but his du- on the duvet that he's sitting on. I want to rewind for a second, though. So she invites him to her house, says, "Let me go change." Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, cool. Yeah, and he's he's down, he's down yeah. to clown in his in his. Uh, he's, he's not though. Supreme. Well, he it, was down to clown with that spy in my universe, and that's a no go, Steve Trevor. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. Steve <laughs> Steve is a weird dude. I mean, Steve, do what you want to do. Yeah, but I just, I like the idea that the suit was what was going to cinch it for Diana and yeah, not like, yeah. I have powers. I have powers. Let me take you to the invisible jet. Let me lift you in the chair that you're sitting in. I know, yeah. Shoot me with your gun. And did they even uh, establish where the lasso was at that point? No. It's just... Uh, it was, it's... 
consistency and thought outedness are not the strengths of Marston at this point. <laughs> no. Uh, also, Wonder Woman goes bowling because in the midst of yeah. this identity crisis, she goes and helps at a Candy's bowling league. And again, I have to wonder, do you have superhero insurance if you are a sporting goods location? Because you're just like, well, that crazy, weird, star-spangled bitch just ruined that lane with her nutso strike that she just threw and, like, cracked a hole in the back of the wall and split that bowling ball. Maybe if you're in New York, maybe if you're in D.C. I don't think it makes financial sense to have superhero insurance otherwise. What about Ohio? Nah. Nah. No. We're, we're past Superman being in Ohio? I'm pretty sure that if you actually had superhero insurance, Superman would get pissed off and just destroy the insurer. Because it's like, <laughs> I, all, this, all this damage that I'm doing to your stuff to put you out of business because you do capital B, capital T bad things, <laughs> and you just get insurance money? No. This shall not stand. I like capital B, capital T things. Bad things. I love it. <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, Sensation Comics, number 14, February 1943. A tree tells the story of how Wonder Woman saved Christmas. And speaks the tree language. I just have that bolded and italicized. <sighs> yep. Yep. Wonder Woman essentially stops a Nazi plot in the mountains near this lovely mountain family. And uh, saves their broken home in midst doing so. And saves Christmas. And a tree sees it all. Yep. It is narrated from the perspective of a tree, except for the things that he wasn't there for, which are not explained. We're going to skip right into quite possibly my favorite part of this episode. Wonder Woman number three, the February-March 1943 issue. By the way, the Wonder Woman comics are now bi-monthly. That is a lot, a lot of writing to do. And it's, Boy, it sure would have been difficult if you actually put any work into thinking through the plot, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we're just gonna... I'm just gonna say a bunch of these notes, and you can all try <laughs> and figure out what's happening based off of what I'm talking about here. So, remember... You all remember Eve, right? The chick who went to college and had the Nazis try to recruit her out of college because she was dating a Gestapo agent. Remember Eve? That sounds like the title of a bad, like, 90s movie. I'm Except fairly now it's certain it is, right? Uh, Eve and her friend are being accused of doing some dastardly Third Reichedness, and Wonder Woman tries to, uh, you know, clear their names. Doesn't really do that at all, and then gets a call from her mother saying, hey, guess what? It's Diana's Day Festival. Why don't you bring Etta Candy to the island and do Greek Christmas things with us? And she's like, boy, howdy, do I sure want to do that. So forgets Eve and friend... And says, I'm going to go do holiday stuff is with that, my friend. Is that plot that ever picked up? Yeah, near the end of this story. Mm, forgot about that. So, um, that just is forgotten. Because Diana wants to have Diana's Day frolicking with her family and friends. So, goes back to Paris, Paradise Island. Yeah, Diana's Day is a weird festival. It, is, it consists of one of the Amazons wearing the mask of Diana. Because she's the moon goddess. Not Diana the princess, Diana the moon goddess, and going around giving gifts to all the other Amazons. And should another Amazon demask the goddess, she then is now Diana and must continue giving gifts out to the rest of the Amazons. 
fairly simple kind of Santa Clausy sort of theory. Fun games were had by all, except if you should fail at unmasking the goddess, you are then hogtied on your bed until the next day. For reasons unknown. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but just just because you screwed up and now you're hogtied in your bed. Should you have to go to the bathroom? Oops! Not my problem because you shouldn't have messed with Diana's day. That's the meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown. Right? As you ho- as Lucy hogties him in his bed. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Shut up, Linus. Stop moving. And uh, so that happens. Oh, by the way, uh, the Baroness has sent a uh, her strongest slave to go and hop aboard Wonder Woman's invisible jet. Not that anyone saw that happen in the invisible jet. And sneak aboard Paradise Island and cause problems. And so, as Diana's Day Festival is occurring, this uh, Baroness slave is trying to assassinate Wonder Woman the whole time and disappears because, you know, a failed attempt and she scurries away and slips through everybody's fingers. But the next day, all the people who failed at uh, unmasking Diana now must uh, dress up like deer and be hunted. By the rest of the group. Now, Diana is the goddess of the hunt and moon. So, okay, sensing a theme. But they they used, like, bow and arrows yeah. to, to shoot at each other. And the bows, or rather the arrows, stick into the, the doe costumes. And guess what happens if you get shot? That's right, hogtied again. And brought back to the, the hunting-like starting zone. And you are trussed up like a deer would be. Ready to be skinned. Meanwhile, Etta Candy is terrible at this. Not because she's, I don't know, bad, but because she's not an Amazon and like, oops. But she's riding a kangaroo, so Etta Candy gets the sweetest ride amongst everyone. Because everyone else is running like a plebeian, and Etta Candy's not a kangaroo monster. But that gives her disadvantage on range attacks because she's not proficient with uh, handling animals. Right, that's true. So, Etta Candy gets the sweetest ride, but of course is uh, attacked by the... Baroness spy and she's like get Wonder Woman here or else and she's like I can't do that because you've tied me to a tree you idiot and she's like that's a fair point so the slave spy goes all the way back to where the Diana's Day shenanigans are happening and guess what's going on there the deer are being skinned which means the women are cut out of their doe costumes and put in a very big pie I am not fucking with you this is literally the plot of this book and the women are arranged in a pie and have pie crust put over them and there's all sorts of laughter and frolicking as women are tied up like turkeys to be roasted and they're going like oops you're gonna taste really good with brown skin and i can't tell if they are going to literally eat these other amazons or they're just all weird and this is normal to them then after this occurs they cut the strings off of the roasted girls, who then begin to dance. And everyone's like, hooray, cooked chicken or cooked deer girl. Hooray! And I'm like, you people are crazy. So, for the record, my read was that in the everybody was set up as though they were going to be baked into a pie. And it's like, okay, well, dance to not be dinner. And it becoming like a, okay, we caught you and instead of... Uh, as part of the, uh, I mean, every festival in the, like, pre-modern style has 
its humiliation aspects, like any kind of topsy-turvy social stuff. It's like, all right, do something atypical. Right. And that's what that was, rather than actually being prepped to be eaten. Cool, cool. But they don't put a high crust on them. No, they do. Odd. Yeah, they no, do. No, no. Mm. Yeah, that's what that big thing is going all over them in that one story. And that's what freaked me the hell out. That's what is that? If not a giant pie crust? Yeah, yeah. They're putting it. They're putting it on, but they yeah. Then they take it off. I'm not saying they like bake. Them yeah, right. it almost looks like they have one that's like like just just uh, uncooked dough, like the equivalent of a fake Christmas tree, where they just kind of put it over them and then take it off, or because like, they're not goopy, or a big ass burlap sheet. Yeah, yeah. For reasons, <laughs> and then they're just like, how long do they stay in there? Like I'm okay. Picture me at a Diana Days Festival. <laughs> Just with my red solo cup shaking nervously, going, "How long are they in that pie for?" And the, and the Amazon is like, "Bro, we don't actually cook them." And I'm like, "No, but like, how long are they in that terrifyingly hidden position inside that pie tin that is human sized? How long? This is what's concerning me." And they're like, "You need to drink more." And I'm no, like, "No, I have questions that need answered." That's also not your biggest concern there, because remember, the whole point of Diana Day was someone looking at the Amazons and Diana and getting shot. Right. And I'm just going... A guy looking at the Amazons. Right. And I'm just sitting here going, okay, so they go on the pie, and then they get cut out, and everybody dances like that just didn't happen? So, I have a phrase for this. Okay. The phrase that I used was, you never go full fetish. Yes. This This is... (laughs) This really is just... I, I actually... I'm going to have a broader point about this, but this issue, this story specifically, is just Marston saying, I want to write about my fetishes. And that's the driving motivation behind all of this. There's no attempt at it being a coherent story that, for the story's sake, it is a story for the uh, sexual exploration side of it. Um, And more to that point... To give your theory way more evidence. Oh girl, what a spanker. Mm-hmm. So Diana, being the cool friend that she is, has gotten World of Men presents for all the Amazons. Because she thinks that'll be really entertaining because it's not the same gifts that they've been getting every year. So she gets one girl a dress from the World of Man. She gets two girls golf clubs that they immediately start using as like whacking sticks and they're just and she's like no like it's a sport and they're like oh okay but two girls immediately upon seeing a tennis racket begin spanking each other with it and one of them is like no like it's a sports equipment thing and they're just like well these are some wimpy spankers and i'm going that was like your first thing that you did with like a ten- with like a like a handled object that was just like yeah hey, just start smacking each other with it marsden just doesn't care at this point it's hog tying chicks it's girls spanking each other. It's God if those doe outfits were latex. It, it's animalization and it's simulated vor. Right. Yeah. And it, just... it is all of those things over something like two or actually I guess probably like four pages, five, it's six pages. Never ending. <laughs> um, and even more, even more so later, because as Wonder Woman is at this festival, the slave says, "Come save Eddie Candy in the jungle," and Wonder Woman says. How dare you, you crazy slave chick? And they attack her, but the the girl has stolen the girdle of Aphrodite, Mm -hmm. so she's strong and everyone else is weak, so she can fend off the Amazons, while a Japanese fleet 
begins to move on Paradise Island because her whole job was to basically signal the fleet and show them where Paradise Island was. The Amazons get the girdle back, hooray, and then they fend off the Japanese. Like you do, because they're the Amazons and they win. And on the Japanese ship is the Baroness. The ship is destroyed because Steve bombs it, because Steve is now suddenly here, because... <sighs> plot devices, Frodo, plot devices. Um... <laughs> Steve shows up, blows up the ship, and the Baroness is brought to the Amazons, and the Baroness is given to Amazonian justice, when she is put on some island somewhere. Now, the next story is that the Baroness is uh, uh, has escaped, and Wonder Woman goes to the jail to be like, how in the blue hell did this happen? And you find out that the Baroness has created some invisibility tech, and that was how she, she got out, and she's using... She has hypnotized Steve and is using Steve in a plot. And it's all very unimportant, bottom line being. The Baroness gets captured again and brought back to the jail. And what we see is how the slaves of the Baroness, who have also been captured and put on this Amazonian prison island, respect the Baroness because she has essentially brainwashed them. And how they now respect the Amazonian jailers because they essentially did the same thing as the Baroness, which was give them stuff to do, but then treated them nicely. And that, in turn, made them want to be slaves to the Amazonians. Specifically, the Amazonian Warden. And so when the Baroness threatens the Amazonian Warden in her effort to escape, the slave girls immediately turn on the Baroness. And there's a great line that I'm just... I can't help but but read to you because it is just... Oh boy. This is Wonder Woman uh, upon observing the slave girls. If girls want to be slaves, there's no harm in that. The bad thing for them is submitting to a master or to an evil mistress like Paula, Paula being the Baroness. A good mistress could do wonders with them. Yeah, that's a phrase that was said by Wonder Woman, whose entire weakness is being bound by a man. Okay, Uh, so now we see that the slaves... The slaves of the Amazons now want to be Amazonian, and the warden essentially says, I'm just going to train you like Amazons, and you're going to be Amazons now. And they're like, yay! We get some backstory on the Baroness now, because she is completely hit rock bottom. She has no power anymore. She's on an Amazonian island, so she has no influence against any of these women. And Wonder Woman's like, why are you so evil, crazy? And she's like, well... (laughs) Flashback noise. Uh, The Baroness explains that her husband, the Baron was killed by the Gestapo, and they they cremated him and brought his ashes to her. I'd be like, he wouldn't give us all your land and money. This is what happened to him. Now we're going to take your daughter and put her in a concentration camp. And the Baroness is like, that's messed up, yo. And they're like, we're Nazis. What did you expect? And so she essentially gives all of her land and her title away and agrees to become a Gestapo agent and fight the Allies in exchange for her daughter being kept safe at a concentration camp. That is super, super sad. And you immediately feel bad for the Baroness. This is the first villain, maybe aside from the wolf, who that dude who like had the identity problem in oh, Batman, yeah, yeah, that you totally feel bad for. Wonder Woman and the Baroness kind of bond. And the Baroness says, like, look, I'm sorry, but this is my situation. Wonder Woman goes to Germany, saves her daughter and all the kids at this concentration camp with Eddie Candy... And then brings them back. Steve takes care of all the other kids, either sends them back to their families or finds new homes for them. And then they give the daughter to the Baroness, who is immediately like, I'm good now. 
this is all, this is it. I'm good. There's no reason for me to go back to the Nazis. I'm in your debt. She also helps Wonder Woman stop a plot to destroy a plant that has a bomb in it. And the Baroness is like, I know there's a bomb here and Wonder Woman isn't around to help her and Steve doesn't trust the Baroness. So the Baroness goes in by herself, stops the bomb, gets burned by fire, is completely disfigured. And a jury, um, in one of the best legal system situations I've ever seen, um, finds her not guilty and then, like, they absolve her of all crimes. But, like, the lawyer against her is like, this woman committed murder. And Wonder Woman's like, she was executed for that and you can't try her for the same crime twice. And <laughs> I'm like... It's the Magneto defense. Right. It's like, holy crap, that's actually true. And the only time that's ever going to happen is in a comic. <laughs> and so I just thought that was funny. And the Baroness goes to Paradise Island and Queen Hippolyta fixes her face with, like, magic clay... And Aphrodite is like, yeah, you're super hardcore and cool. And Athena's like, I agree. You get your face back now. It's no longer disfigured by the fire. And the Baroness is now a good good person. And that is like the coolest story, but also the weirdest story, because we had to get to get to that, we had to get through Diana's day. Also, since the Baroness is now uh, admitted and confessed to all these crimes, Eve and friend are exonerated for all problems because they were framed. And that's the end of that plot thread <laughs> that is completely forgotten in the in the nonsense of Diana's day. <laughs> Somewhere an editor is just like, oh, thank God, what happened to an those extra half page. What happened to those two chicks in the beginning that you like got all started with? Well, since she confessed, <laughs> damn it, Marsden. And, and that's it. That's Can that un- just be like the closing moment of a cartoon? So that's it. That's that's all the comic there is in this volume of the Wonder Woman Chronicles, Volume Two. Um, you have plenty of notes over there, and I am. It's all you, man. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start with one that we touched on at the beginning, and we just touched on at the end. There, uh, it is the externalization of the causes of the evil of the fascist powers in World War II. Because, and this actually sits really uncomfortably with me. So this is the Baron, Duke, and Count, Greed, Deception, Mm -hmm. and Conquest. And uh, the holding hostage of the Baroness's daughter. Okay. Because we see specifically... All three members, all, all three of the theoretical leaders of the Axis powers, I, I would actually, I don't think Hirohito was as involved in the decision making of Japan as, say, Hitler or Mussolini were, but he's the Japanese representative of the Axis who gets influenced by one of Air, uh, Mars's three uh, leaders. And. You just have this situation wherein what it's the sympathy for the devil thing. <laughs> the idea is always like, oh, the devil made us do all of these horrible things. And the whole point of uh, sympathy for the devil is, after all, it was you and me. The idea that it was just ultimately humans did this. And it's hugely important to understand so that, that it is purely mortal internal causes that made these horrible things happen, that made these horrible people do these horrible things so that we don't do it again. The real horror is the the understanding that it would be entirely within the realm of human possibility 
for there to be another Holocaust. And I am horrified in some ways to see that these three evil leaders, um, Hirohito, don't know enough about, but certainly Mussolini and Hitler, the idea that they are that they were as bad as they were because an outside force, in some cases a non-human force, said, go be evil. And then you also get towards the end, you have the Baroness, who has been, to some degree, a Hitler stand-in. Not quite as much, but she's been sadistic to the slaves under her command. Uh, and has been portrayed as that evil character. And then having it just be, oh, the Hitler stand-in was just evil because of circumstances. And once that particular thing was removed, oh, everything's back to normal. She is a good person. Immediately redeemed. An immediate face turn. Hitler shouldn't get a face turn. I feel that very strongly. I think it's important to say Hitler made this choice to be evil, but you I don't think you can say... I don't think it's healthy for us to view uh, evil as, well, if we just do this one thing to redeem them, uh, as compared to, you made your choice, we need to stop you, and let's find the ways to redeem people. But that idea that there's a magic silver bullet, an action that can be found and done, and then everything is better scares me. I don't... And it's interesting because, I mean, yeah, I agree. Uh, ignoring the fact that some of these people may or may not have, like, oh, they weren't evil. They were just under bad influences. You know, that's not cool. You gotta own up to the situations that happen. I never got the impression that there was a face turn for any of these guys. I just... I, I thought it was a, a, a way to explain away their erratic behavior. I never got it. I never got the impression that it was like, oh, they're just good. It's just these bad guys. It was just like Hitler was going crazy and did some weird stuff. And now that he's not, he's thinking a little bit more clearly. It wasn't that he was like, you know what? Maybe not the Jews. It was that, why are we doing this? Stop, stop doing that thing. Cause that was erratic and that didn't serve a purpose for the Reich. I never got the impression that he was made to look good from any of that so to clarify the the hitler doesn't get a face turn that specific line i was referring to uh the hitler stand-in of the baroness but they do some amount for hitler especially actually it's you know maybe we don't need as many troops in the occupied territories and the immediate aftermath of that is the american people being well maybe it sounds like he's going a little bit easier on them. And you also, I think it, also, if yeah. nothing else, there is some intimation that they are as bad as they are specifically because of the influence of Mars. It's also 1942. We don't know a that, lot about there is him. That. We don't and also, I, so that's kind of the thing too, is you, this is maybe them trying to, ex, trying to find an explanation for what's happening as opposed mm -hmm. to it's wishful thinking as opposed to, so, no, they were all in. So I agree, and this is an interesting thing that I've been playing around with in my head for a long time. Uh, one of the things that is interesting as a consequence of this kind of externalization, because we do see it specifically after World War II and after the Civil War, because I think that part of the unspoken deal that was made after the Civil War that uh, allowed the North and South to eventually reconcile was the idea that, Okay, 
not everybody was fighting for slavery. Lots of people were fighting for states' rights, ignoring the fact that, yeah, slavery was pretty intricately tied yeah. in. And then yeah. after World War II, well, the regular Wehrmacht did not have much of an involvement in the war crimes. It was the SS and the leadership. No, actually, if you look at it, especially on the Eastern Front, mostly on the Eastern Front, there were a lot of war crimes perpetrated by regular Wehrmacht units. Mm -hmm. And this is, granted, I can't expect Marston to know, but that is something that we do see again and again with things that try to look back on retelling history with, oh, there was this other factor going through. Like, if you have, uh, by the way, magic was going on through all of this block of time. Even minions, it's like, oh, the minions have always served, like, the biggest evil, and they just happen to be in Antarctica from about 1930 to 1950. Yeah, that's canon. In, uh, <laughs> in the, the Despicable Me universe? Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, but one way or another, like, that externalization of the causes of evil is something that is a bit of a trope. So be careful of that when you're writing. Um, what else do you have? You have... That was All the... Right. So there's that. Um, I'm increasingly convinced that Mars... This actually winds up being sort of a thread off of what we talked about earlier, but I'm increasingly convinced that Marston's vision of a feminist utopia is either confused or problematic or really just an excuse for him to act out as fetishes. Like, his philosophy may just be, let me take the things that I like and build something around it. Uh, specifically, little quick bit that bugs me, uh, this is certainly not an intersectional fe feminism that he has. Uh, every black character is a caricature. Every German and Japanese character, while I understand it a little bit more, is also bad. Right. Uh, I think what he's doing is living out his kinks through with the guise of suffragism. And I, I think you're I absolutely even, right. I would even go further than saying within the guise of... I. It honestly feels like the bits of philosophy that are coming through here are really... I think a priori is the word I'm looking for, where he has taken point one, point two, point three. And let's build a philosophy around that. And the things that I keep coming back to is that it's all—it's all power transfer. Everything, and it's not just uh, man's world and women. It's Amazonians as well, because specifically in the very end, where uh, Aphrodite agrees to reshape. Uh, or more precisely, I guess, allow Hippolyta to reshape the Baroness's face. Uh, she says that she accepts the Baroness as her slave. That's a goddess telling who is now probably an honorary Amazonian, you're going to be my slave. And we see the same joyful submission throughout all of Amazonian culture. It's not that we don't we are not seeing a situation wherein uh only the women in mortal worlds coming from a mortal culture are happy about submission it's okay this is a lifestyle that marston uh that marston exalts that okay here are one person who is the leader the top and a lot of other people who Exalt and are in awe of them, uh, and it's that's not necessarily bad by any means, but 
it's not like he's building he's not building a case for equality and I think Eros was the thing that crystallized it the most it, honestly what I took from the story on Eros was it's a cautionary tale about only submitting to a dom you trust for a 24-7 relationship uh, it goes women are happiest when uh, when submitting men aren't to be trusted to lead or be tops and the happily ever after at the end of the story is a return to submission and I guess like the only thing I can come up with is the world that you would build out of that is not a world of equality it's a it's not a world of equal participation it's a world of benevolent autocracy with vassals and tops and subs all the way down it people are not the happiest people are not making their own decisions in this like Wonder Woman is the only Wonder Woman is the only woman who makes her own decisions and isn't brought down in some way I guess Etta Candy is yeah I would say Etta Candy and the Halloween and the holiday college girls as well okay I'll agree with that but looking at the Amazonians it's like oh you guys are blissful in submission you don't do anything. I didn't get that from the Amazonians. I got that from the girls in Arrow specifically and mm-hmm. the Baradesses women, but I didn't see that the Amazonians were submissive, were looking to be submissive. They were completely independent in my in my view. They just did whatever they wanted. They just happened to enjoy power play. There is where things get a little bit more of a stretch for the way I'm viewing. Uh, so it may be in this case that I have a an insufficient read on it, but they're also not doing anything that we see. I, we, frankly, in any version of comic, movie, cartoon, we never really see what goes on on the day to day on Paradise Island. To my belief, they're just hunting, studying, and fighting because that's what they enjoy doing. Hippolyta is not so much a queen so much as a I want to say, like, mom figure to everybody. She doesn't really... She just upholds the rules. I never really see her do decrees, order them to do anything. The Amazons basically seem to be living in a utopia. And I've never seen them, short of one movie, where they imprison an Amazon for releasing Ares for falling in love with him uh, after she falls in love with him. I've never seen the Amazons punish each other. I've never seen them fight each other. And frankly, they just do whatever they want, to my understanding. It's just a place where they're all allowed to do things. Like, there's an Amazon who likes to read. Everybody picks on her because she doesn't like to fight. But she's just like, no, I want to read. And Hippolyta's like, yeah, she just likes to read. Screw it. Like, that's her thing. That's You know, don't, don't get mad at what she wants to do. And that's Paradise Island. It's paradise. The Amazons just majority happen to like fighting like that's been every version i've ever seen and then it's never seen again so i'll i'll agree that that's it's less of a concern in later incarnations of wonder woman i think because i don't think that modern or even just post this era uh that the amazons are meant to be a a model society i feel like that it it feels like Marston is trying to tell us that, oh yeah, the Amazonian culture, the system that they have there, this is the ideal to work towards. 
which a I think is interesting because I think that Wonder Woman actually doesn't embody that much at all, uh, and b it just it feels like the, uh, Marston is saying this is the group to aspire to, but there's nothing there beyond a bunch of power play, which isn't bad. It's just weird if you if you're point it feels like a lot of the point that he's trying to make throughout this is that there are models to emulate but there isn't one here this place that i'm pointing you toward this road sign goes nowhere and i think that's very much like marsden after reading a lot of the jill lapore book which again still haven't finished reading a lot of these comics um marsden wasn't good at anything yeah um, the more I read of that book, the more I realize he gets fired a lot, he leaves a lot, he um, gets released a lot from positions. Marsden's not good at stuff. Um, all the women he was with were good at things. Marsden's creative and book smart, but not streetwise. Like, his his wisdom score is really low, but his intelligence <laughs> score is pretty high. And I don't think Marsden knows how to properly illustrate what he wants or yeah. talks about. And I think that's what you're seeing and what you're encountering. I think it's exactly that, yeah. Is... This feels like, it feels like the story, I remember hearing once about Ayn Rand, that she had a couple people close to her who were like, hey, you're joining the club, uh, you're a philosophy student. Tell me what you learned today and let me work through that bit of knowledge instead of like, Hey, I actually have a background in philosophy that I can, that I have already thought through my philosophy. It's like, oh, that's a good point. Um, right. And so I think, I think that's what you're noticing. And, and that's a good observation because that's probably very true that you're, that you're seeing that he is trying to, emu- is trying to get everyone to emulate a certain way of life and just isn't quite connecting the dots very well. Also, a literal line from this uh, one of these issues was, we saw a strange rocket ship and fired, Major. That's the worst first contact protocol ever. Yeah. Everybody doesn't know how to handle first contact. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're on a three-episode string of yeah. bad first contacts. Three, three different, three oh, different yeah. characters, two different writers don't <laughs> understand how to do first contact. <laughs> I mean, at least this one actually made some sense, but it's like, that's U.S. Army, don't don't fire on rocket ships. Right. Even if they wind up being Martian slave ships. Right. So, speaking of Mars... Yes. When we go to, when we go to Mars, there's actually a panel where you can see the curvature of the Earth. Ver- or, well, Mars. Uh, very specifically. And my brain's just going, wait, it, it's that small is this actually Supreme Kai's planet? Hmm. And then I started to imagine this specific version of Wonder Woman, like the kind of non-sequitur kind of, uh, uh, why would I ever do things the normal way? Uh, As in the place of Goku in DBZA. I kind of want Wonder Woman to learn the Kaioken now. Yeah, 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 I'll ship it. Um, <laughs> I'm also uh, just a, the side thought. Now that I'm thinking of other stories that have Mars in them around this time period, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, John Carter of Mars. Maybe the Tharks are also on Mars, and we're just not seeing that. God, are you not? A, are you not a John Carter fan? I never actually read the stuff. That's interesting. It's the same guy, I believe, who wrote Tarzan. So I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, again. 
God, Dr. Faye, where are you? Um, we need you desperately. Dr. Dr. Faye, where are you? Yeah, right. yeah, but instead of Dr. Fate for our next episode, you're going to get something a little different. We're going to be interviewing somebody that we think will be very interesting, uh, that will cover some more stuff in the time period that we are in. And uh, we hope you all enjoy that because it's going to be a treat. We're excited about that. And then, God willing... Fate's aligned and yep. everybody really? right on really? time. Really? Yep. No. Get get out. We're going to do Dr. Fate. Good night, get everybody. <laughs> Have a good evening, guys. DC Detectives is brought to you on iTunes and Stitcher. Stay in the know. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our website for more. Everyone but Dodds had gotten a second round of the spotlight. So it was definitely time for Diana to take a turn. She had some new villains, holidays, and plot twists she wanted her eyes on. Even if they were among the strangest we'd seen yet. With her arch-nemesis now on the nice list, what was next for this member of the Trinity? What would come after Dukes and Dominations? We watched her depart, apparently satisfied with her time in the spotlight, leaving us with more questions than ever rattling in our heads.